Well, for the last several months, really over a year, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark, and we've looked at it almost with microscopic view. We've tried to look at sometimes even just one verse at a time. We've looked at it really, really closely. Today, however, I want to do something just the opposite of that. I want us to look at the whole Bible with a telescopic view so that instead of getting down with a magnifying glass and trying to look at details, I want us to back way up and just kind of get an overview of what the whole Bible is about. And I think to prepare our hearts for this Christmas season and for the birth of Jesus, uh, it'll help us to, uh, to take that kind of a look at it. And I want you to see, and in fact, we're going to be looking at a lot of different passages of Scripture today. So, Brad, uh, here we go. Uh, Brad always amazes me how quickly he can find the passages that I'm referring to. And I know that some of you think, well, you probably give him that list ahead of time. He wishes. (laughs) I just have so much confidence in him that I don't. But... uh, I want us to think, I told the kids this past Wednesday night, every Wednesday, uh, uh, Stephanie has the children's choir, and and uh, the last 15 minutes of children's choir, I have the privilege of going in and spending 15 minutes with them just to have a ask the pastor time, and they can ask any question they want to ask, and I try to answer it. Of course, probably pretty easy to answer the questions the adults would ask, but when you talk about questions kids ask, it's quite a challenge, and so, uh, but I, I really, really look forward to that time. I enjoy it so much, and uh, this past week, I told them I'm going to be looking at a pod of peas today in an overview of the, of the gospel, and I want us to start with the first P, which is the purpose of God. God had a purpose. Before he ever created the world, he already saw the end from the beginning. And God had what the Bible calls over in, uh, I think it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, God's eternal purpose. He had a plan from the very beginning. And so we read about the, uh, the beginning of that plan in Genesis chapter 1. So that's a good place to start at the beginning with the beginning. And so it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 26... Through verse 31, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, the very beginning, we see that God had a purpose, and that is to have image bearers on this planet. God's design from the beginning was to people this world with people who bore His image. They were like God in their uh, character and in their affection, and they would also have a heart for God. So, they would bear his image, and they would share his heart and his affection. And so uh, the next verse says that God did that. He created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. That's the first mention of the word blessing, actually, in the Bible. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Now, what would they fill the earth with? They would fill the earth with other people like them who bore the image of God and shared the affection or the heart of God. And uh, so that was God's blessing. God blessed them, told them be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, every living thing that moves on the earth. So what a beautiful purpose that God had. From the very beginning, his purpose was to fill this planet with a people who would love him, obey him, treasure him, and would bear his image. And there was a problem, however. This was God's purpose. This was what God wanted. It's what God expected. It's what God prepared for and planned. But we come to the third chapter of Genesis and we find the second P. Instead of God's purpose, we have man's problem. And uh, we'll uh, read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, verse 6 and 7. Now, prior to this, we're told that the serpent appears, says basically to Adam and to Eve, God's not telling you the truth. And if you really want to be like God, and here's the amazing thing, they already were like God. They already bore the image of God. But Satan... And wasn't your Sunday school lesson today about the deceiver? Wasn't that what your lesson was about today? Well, this is the beginning of his deceptive work with mankind. He said, God didn't tell you the truth. And incidentally, Satan's attack always is on the Word of God. If Satan can get you to doubt what God says... He can get you to do virtually anything. And so he says, God hasn't, uh, hasn't told you the truth. And he said, you will not surely die if you eat of this fruit. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. By the way, as all of us surely know, there was one tree in the midst of the garden that God had said, you must not eat of this tree. This is the tree of the experiential knowledge of good and evil, this is the tree that would declare your independence from me. This is the tree 
that would basically say, if you ate of it, we will determine what's good and what's evil. Not you. We will establish our own code of right and wrong. But Satan said, uh, no, you eat of this tree and you will be able to determine for yourself what is right and what is wrong. And so they ate of that tree. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 says that they ate of the tree and then the eyes of both were opened. Suddenly they saw what they had not seen before. And they knew that they were naked. Prior to this, the Bible says that they were naked and they were unashamed. There was no shame. There was no fear. There was no guilt. As a matter of fact, I believe that they actually were clothed with light. I believe that when God created them, that he shared his glory with them. And just like Jesus, when he was transfigured on the mountain of transfiguration, shone with light, I believe that they were engulfed in the glory of God. But when sin came in, light went out. And suddenly they saw that they were no longer clothed with God's glory and God's light. And they were ashamed and afraid. And uh, so they sewed fig leaves together and tried to create a covering for themselves. That's always man's first attempt. When man realizes that there is a problem, when man realizes that there is some kind of distance between him and God, he always tries to fashion for himself some covering of man-made fashion. He creates his own self-righteousness, which is very, very unfulfilling, and it never, never works. And then, let's uh, go on down to uh, that same chapter beginning in verse 14 by the way God did cover them God covered them with skins of animals most likely a lamb and it's the first shedding of blood in the Bible because you couldn't take a lamb and its skin without it being killed. So it's the first blood sacrifice in the Bible. And it was a sacrifice in order to cover the shame and the guilt of Adam and Eve. And then God begins to speak to those involved. The Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed. It's the first mention of the word cursed in the Bible. The first mention of blessed 
was when everything was okay. And God said, my purpose is to bless. But now, because of sin, he said, cursed. Cursed are you above all livestock and and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. But listen to verse 15. And this is the first promise in the Bible. I will put enmity, warfare, struggle, continual struggle between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he, that is the offspring of the woman, it's the first promise of the Messiah that would come. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, no doubt Eve and Adam looked at one another like, I wonder what that means. That some offspring of mine, and by the way, he didn't say this to Adam. He said it to the woman. That the offspring of this woman would somehow or another have his heel bruised, but in the bruising of his heel, the head of the serpent would be bruised or crushed. And that just kind of hung there for centuries. What in the world is he talking about? And it would not be really... Well, of course, Isaiah would give some concepts of it and David and so forth. But it would not be until the coming of Jesus and his death on the cross and his victorious resurrection that people would begin to fully understand what this original promise was all about. That there would be a Messiah, there would be a Savior who through his own death, the bruising of his heel, there would be the crushing of the head of Satan. And that's just a glorious, glorious thing. Everybody just want to say amen? Amen. Amen. All right. And so, and then he goes on and he tells that this curse that comes on mankind would, uh, would affect the woman and it would affect the man and it would affect all the descendants of the race. And if we just stopped right there, it would look like this is a story of absolute tragic proportion. That God has a plan. God has a purpose. And that purpose is to fill the whole earth with people from all places with a people that would be his, who would be his image, bear his image, and share his heart. But it looks like that story is now over because sin has entered the picture and that which was originally blessed is now cursed. And all the descendants that come from Adam and Eve, in fact, the Bible tells us that when they began to have children, that those children were not born in the image of God. They were born in the image of God of Adam 
fallen Adam, cursed Adam, so that children who come into this world by the natural birth process, the children of the seed of man and the seed of woman come into this world with the stain of sin already on them. So how in the world could the purpose of God ever be fulfilled? He has this purpose of a world filled with image bearers and heart sharers. But sin has seemed to have destroyed that purpose. And yet he gives a promise that somehow or another through the seed of the woman the head of the serpent would be crushed. And it would be done not through power but through sacrifice. Through the bruised heel of the one who is crushing the serpent's head. How in the world? What a, what a mystery. We say what a mystery it is. Isn't it a, a mystery? And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the prophets of old looked forward to these promises being fulfilled, but they couldn't possibly figure out how they'd be fulfilled. And I think even the prophecies themselves, even as the prophets declared their prophecies, like Isaiah 53 and others, they couldn't fully picture how these prophecies would be fulfilled. But they believed God. And they said, somehow, somehow, God will fulfill his eternal purpose. Now, he did have a a process through which that purpose would be fulfilled. It involved a man named Abraham and his descendants, Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and then Israel's 12 sons, and, and one of those sons, the fourth son, named Judah, and that through Judah there would come the Messiah, and that from the family of David, who was Judah's, one of Judah's descendants, there would come the Messiah. And so God had a, a process. He had a, a plan for this to all happen in order that blessing could again come. I wanted to just show you, and I'm going to finish this message next week, but Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Um, Eleven chapters have passed in Genesis. We've seen the creation We've seen the fall of man into sin. We've seen the increase of sin to such a degree that God sends a flood. And then we see after the flood, the people in arrogance determined to build a tower that would replace their worship of God. And we see the scattering of the people So these first 11 chapters of Genesis cover 
hundreds of years, thousands, two, th- at least 2,000 years. And we see the nations now scattered all around the world. And originally, God's purpose was that he would draw back together out of all the nations a people who would bear his image and share his heart. And God said to Abraham, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And then verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation. And by the way, at this time, (laughs) Abram didn't have any children. And that's another story. But uh, I will make of you a great nation. And here's the word again. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Back in Genesis 1, God blessed. And God said, I want Adam, I want you to bless and be blessed. Sin brought curse rather than blessing. And now God says to Abram, I will bless you. And through you, that is through your family, through your descendant, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then verse, well, we'll just stop with that one. And so this was God's beginning of the process from human perspective, from eternal perspective. God already had his eternal purpose. But from a human perspective, God says, I'm starting with Abram, who became Abraham. And I'm going to bring the blessing to all the nations of the world through a descendant of this man. And we're going to pick it up here next week. But by the way, as I was watching the video today about the missionary and first in Uganda and then in Tanzania, we have dear friends who minister in Uganda and dear friends who minister in Tanzania. It was a kind of a exciting to me to see both of those places mentioned. And I just thought, Isn't it amazing that God is doing something all around the world and out of every nation and every tribe and every language and every people group, God is drawing together a people that will share, that will bear his image and will share his heart. How will he do that? Well, for those who may not get to come back next week, just tell you that he did it through sending his son, Jesus, who became a curse. He bore the curse that was our curse. And in bearing that curse, 
and paying the full price, he is now able to bless those who put their trust in him. Those who, like Abraham, are able to say, I believe God. And those who believe him will receive the blessing that Jesus purchased for us by bearing the curse in our place. Today, as we prepare our hearts to uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus, to celebrate the Word becoming flesh, to celebrate the initiation in time of the Emmanuel, God with us, so that he could take our place. Cursed, the Bible said, is everyone who hangs on a tree, who hangs on a cross. So he became our curse so that we could receive his blessing. And as we prepare our hearts to celebrate that day, the greatest preparation you can make is to be certain that your faith is in him. It'd be possible to sing Silent Night and watch nativity scenes and decorate your house with Christian symbols and not know Jesus. How sad, how tragic. And God's purpose is for you to be part of the one who receives the blessing. The greatest blessing of all is to know him, to know him. And if you're not a Christian, or maybe I should say if you're not a follower of Jesus, because there are a lot of people who would say, I'm a Christian, who aren't following Jesus. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you today. Jesus invites you today. Come, follow me. Trust me. Become a child of Abraham, and even better, a child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us and fulfilling your eternal purpose through a process of keeping your promise to us through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And I ask you today to help any, any help all of us, but any person who may be here today who has not personally put their trust in you and said, I want to follow Jesus, help them today to come to him. And I, I know that you stand with arms outstretched and call us. That Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for us to say yes and receive him. And I pray that you'll help us to do that in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.